0: Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com.
1: We have to be able to go into a zone that is not comfortable. Being on your couch at home is comfortable. Being out having a coffee chat with a stranger you don't know is uncomfortable. But in this business, really any business, You have to be a little bit uncomfortable because that's where change happens. That's where the magic is.
0: Welcome to the Best Ever Show, the world's longest running daily commercial real estate podcast. Our hosts interview commercial real estate experts every day to get you the best advice ever with none of the fluffy stuff.
2: Best ever listeners, welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever Show. I am your host, Joe Cornwell, and today I'm joined by Saad Dar. Saad is a head of business development with Baseline. Baseline is the number one banking platform for real estate investors. He's also a Burr investor with 20 units, mostly duplexes. He's investing in the Philly market. He is from New York City and currently based in Atlanta. It's his first time here with us. So Saad, welcome to Best Ever. Thank you so much for having me. Very excited. So why don't we start, since it's your first time on the show, with some of your personal background. Where are you from? What did you do? And how did you initially get into real estate? Absolutely. I'm originally from New York,
1: recently moved to Atlanta, as you said, it's been about actually almost a year now. And my background career wise is in accounting and finance. I'm a former CPA. I spent about four or five years doing management consulting with large corporations. The last four years of my career, I've been working in fintech and prop tech. Baseline technically is a combination of both fintech and prop tech. So we'll talk more about that, where I really help the companies scale from zero to a much larger size. I started investing in real estate about five years ago, and really accidentally, which I think a lot of people get into it this way. My motivation was to generate additional rental income so I can help fund my parents' retirement, and became a real estate investor when I didn't sell my first house and I rented it out. So I loved it after I just got into it. So my passion has been real estate investing for the last several years. We did pause for a little bit in COVID, but after the first year of COVID, we got a little bit more comfortable. So today... Like you mentioned, I focus on the Burr strategy, mostly in Philadelphia, where we try to do two to four unit type properties for long-term rentals, but we've been experimenting with short-terms as well recently, but laws have changed. So I think we're switching into midterm from there. But one last thing I'll share is that when I started investing in real estate, I'm working in tech, I love technology, especially banking and financial technology. So I was extremely frustrated with that part of the ecosystem in real estate. And that's one of the reasons I joined Baseline not only to lead the business development, but partnerships to help really build that all-in-one platform that I want for myself. And I really strongly believe that all of us are looking for to not only manage, but also scale our businesses. So super excited to be here to
2: tell you more about all of that. Yeah. So let's start with that initial property. You said that was about five years ago. It was your primary residence that instead of selling, you just chose to run it out?
1: Yeah, actually, I got advice from a family member who is a business owner and has 15, 20 million dollars of property. When I was about to sell that house, it was listed actually for sale in New York. And he reached out to me and said, hey, look, this is going to go up in value. It's a really amazing area. Brooklyn is growing. Don't sell. So I started looking into it and I thought, how am I going to do this? How can I manage a rental property? I have a full time day job. I don't know anything about this. So, of course, I got some guidance from people that I knew, read a bunch of books. Social media was not as prominent, I think, five years ago, but just got into it and started learning more. And I got it up and running. That property now, today, cash flows over $2,000 a month because we not only rent out the house, it's split into two units. We rent out all the different aspects of the driveway, the garage, et cetera. So it's been five years. Obviously, there's definitely the upkeep and the maintenance and all of that because of the age of the building. But... It was my first foray into real estate investing and got me hooked.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. A lot of people do get into real estate through various means of accidental issues. Can't sell a house, don't want to sell a house, choose not to. And it wasn't necessarily the plan when they purchased the property. Now, I know you mentioned you're a Burr investor and you switched to the Philly market. So what was your motivation for both of those? At
1: the time, I was actually in Brooklyn. When I left Brooklyn, I moved to New Jersey. So Philly was the closest market that I found where the rent ratios were very attractive. And there were indicators that pockets of the city were growing. And we got some tips from some local real estate agents that had also invested in Philly. So I decided to partner up with my current partner today, who was also at the Boston Consulting Group, the company that I used to work for, Management Consulting. We decided to go and invest in Philly. We obviously did a lot of research on the market before we really dove in. And then COVID hit, so we had more time to think about it. But Philly was attractive because of the proximity to where we lived. It was only an hour and a half away. Again, it was one of the sort of tier, I would say tier two or tier three cities in the country where the initial purchase price to get into a deal for new investors was much, much lower in terms of risk. So we thought it was a good place to go and start our real estate careers so we can learn a lot more. Even if we make mistakes, it was forgiving. That was a reason for Philly. So today, we've really gone all in on Philly and have been doing Burr there since I would say late 2020, really early 2021. Okay. And why the Burr method? I always just really like the Burr method. I think following your podcast and some other podcasts as well, like the bigger pockets, it always clicked for me. It was intuitive. I understood what the concept was, especially because you can do force appreciation. So you have control, you can do forced appreciation and do a cash out refi that gives you back a lot of the investment that you had up front. And that for me is the main motivation. So what we've done in Philly, and I think we were lucky for a couple of years because of the market conditions and the high rents and the high appraisals, we were able to often cash out more than 100% of what we put in to take that, recycle that cash within six months usually, sometimes faster and put it into the next deal. So the problem of I need to raise money or I have 100K, but I don't have another 100K wasn't necessarily an issue. So for me and my partner, that was the main driver for that strategy. Now there are downsides to it. There are trade-offs. It takes more time. You need to understand construction. It's more complicated. There's more risks involved. You have to manage more stakeholders, but definitely pays off if you do it the right way.
2: Yeah. Couldn't agree more. As I mentioned to you in the intro, I am a bear investor as well. That's been my bread and butter the last seven, eight years. And... I love the strategy for, like you said, recycling the capital, the velocity of the money. It has gotten more challenging over the years for various reasons. With interest rates rising, it's been more difficult to know where you're going to. Your back end's going to be on a rehab, the value, what the bank's going to lend, at what terms. But it sounds like you've been executing these deals in the last couple of years in this volatile rate market. So how have you been able to do that successfully?
1: It comes down to, I think, a couple of key things. You really have to know your market and sub-markets. I think that's step one, really. And I think having a specialty in the areas you're investing is really important and having a lot of relationships so you understand the pulse of the market there, block by block. That to me is key because that comes into the underwriting process. If you make a mistake, you're going to pay for it. And I'm not saying that we haven't made mistakes, but we've learned from that. So I think that's really the first thing is to really know the market and really go deep in the areas you're focused on and making sure you understand what the numbers look like there. I think the second biggest, I would say, opportunity, but also challenge, is the the rehab part. So here, I'm not in construction. So having a strong contractor and really important contractor relationship that's built on trust and long-term partnership, that's also key. Again, we've learned there. We've made mistakes. We've been burned. But we've gotten to a place where we understand how to manage that cycle and the projects that we do, especially because we're out of state. So that, to me, is the second biggest thing. And then I would say the last thing is about just project management and speed, because yes, you're going to find the lender and figure out how to refi. And we like to do that upfront, but speed is of course really important because you need to get the refi done in a certain amount, and that can only be done when the property is leased. So that time to lease is really important and making sure you optimize that and making sure that the comps that you ran when you did the underwriting are still in play for that refi that you're gonna do, let's say six months later. So I think those are the three really important components, which is again, knowing the market and submarkets, really making sure that the rehab part is controlled and you have somebody who knows what they're doing when they're executing that for you and you can manage it well. And number three is speed.
2: Yeah, again, as a Burr investor and I'm local, so I have direct control over all my deals. I have my own construction company. We do almost all of our renovations totally in house. And even with all of that, Burr is far from easy. So kudos to you for being able to pull this off remotely. So my follow up question in that line of thought is, how are you finding these deals remotely? We have a couple of different channels.
1: We've gone and built a bunch of relationships with a couple of real estate agents and brokers, but also wholesalers in the area. So those are the primary channels through which we find deals. And I think once you put your name out there, you start getting deals and really too many to look at. Most of them, obviously the numbers don't work, but that's really been the key for us. And I think we try to focus on narrowing down the number of deals we do every year. That's important. But having this, the open communication back and forth with people that are bringing you deals, I don't like to ignore them. I like to make sure we give them some response if we're active and looking to make sure they understand the feedback. If something doesn't work, Hey, I don't really need this. I want something else. I want it in this area, not over here, for example. So those have been some of the primary ways that we've done that. So I generally find that we're actually usually behind. It's not necessarily that the deals are not out there. It's just that we don't have the capacity sometimes to even handle looking at all the deals that we might be getting inbound. And I would definitely say that the last year or so, it's been much harder and tougher to make the numbers work. So there's been many deals that we've looked at and tried to run the numbers with the lender trying to figure out if it can work. But like you said, with the higher inflation, higher cost of interest, as well as labor costs going up, inflation has not only material costs, but also labor costs going up significantly. Constructions are also more expensive. I would say probably still 30, 40% even today. Those do factor in. That's made it harder to do deals.
2: Yeah, no doubt. Especially like you said, on a bird, you're trying to hit a moving target on the back end. And, and that is already hard enough to underwrite with consistency in the market and in the volatile state we've been in the last 18 months, it's been even more challenging. So you said you worked remotely with these contractors. How did you find the contractors you ended up partnering with on these deals? What is that relationship like? Are you using the same ones for all of these? Tell us a little bit more about that.
1: I'm a bit extroverted, so I end up meeting a lot of people and talking to different folks. That's part of the reason with Baseline, I'm head of business development and partnerships because that's naturally what I do. So in the Philly market, I've met with different lenders, with different brokers, with different property managers as well, wholesalers. So I always keep in touch, try to help people where I can, ask for help where we need help. So that's been the primary source of how we've gotten contractors. In the beginning, it was through one or two wholesalers that were larger and getting some references. Eventually, I think it was just through some other relationships I had. So we worked with two contractors primarily since then. And actually one of them I met through a wholesaler. It was his uncle in New York. And we convinced him to come to Philly <laughs> and start working with us because he was also interested in rental properties, wanted to learn the business. So he wanted to watch how we did it. So that was his incentive. And he built a satellite office team for us. And that worked out pretty well for the last few years. So that's been the play right now. But as we graduate up, we're actually looking to for new partnerships with some folks that are more experienced and more local. So again, that's coming from couple of real estate agent and other relationships we have talking to people, having coffee chats and seeing if we want to work with them.
2: Yeah. So for your personal investment portfolio, what are your goals for 2024 and beyond?
1: One of the things I think right now, and I like to be realistic is that things have been very unstable as of last year. So we are definitely trying to stabilize our portfolio. And what that really means is we've set up a bunch of systems with baseline and all of those things that help us streamline the finances and rent collection and all that. But We still have a property manager. So things like having the right property manager is one of our priorities for us for this year. So that's a big thing. We wanna stabilize the portfolio. And we're getting ready to think a little bit bigger as we now get into this year, expecting rates to come down a bit. Not sure exactly how much, but we think there will be a correction. Our goal is to consolidate all of our resources and cash and try to do one larger deal, something that is 10, 12, 16 units, Instead of doing four projects, we want to do one project really well, go deep with an experienced GC in the right areas in Philly.
0: We'll get back to the show. But first, some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. A 1031 exchange is one of the greatest tools to build your real estate portfolio. But before you sell your next investment property, if you want to save thousands in capital gains taxes, please give our friends at 1031pros a call. Whether you're an individual investor, title company, or real estate agent, 1031 Pros is ready to help you or your clients with their 1031 exchange needs. With over 30 years of experience, 1031 Pros specializes in various types of exchanges like delayed, simultaneous, reverse, and improvement exchanges in all 50 states, all while ensuring your transaction is fast, reliable, transparent, and secure. 1031 Pros has handled over 20,000 audit-free exchanges. And right now, Best Ever listeners can get $250 off any exchange by visiting my 1031 pros.com slash ever. That's my 1031 pros.com slash ever to get $250 off today. Have you heard that Mint, the popular personal finance app, is shutting down? If you use Mint, that's bad news. The good news is that there is an even better alternative, Monarch Money. Monarch gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments transactions and more create custom budgets set goals and collaborate with others and now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com best ever most personal finance apps are clunky and cluttered with ads monarch is different its intuitive design makes setup customization and everyday use simple and easy monarch is also the most customizable budgeting app available You can change your dashboard layout, create custom budgets and notifications, and even invite your partner, accountant, or financial advisor to have a joint view of your finances at no extra cost. Once you try Monarch for yourself, you'll understand why it was named 2024's best budgeting app by the Wall Street Journal. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash best ever. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H money.com slash best ever for your extended 30-day free trial.
2: In the Philly market, and I'm completely unfamiliar with it. What are you paying per door there? How is value there compared to other similar metros? It depends on, obviously, the area of the city because it can be different
1: block by block, even in nicer neighborhoods. I can give you an example, maybe of one or two deals, if that helps. One of the deals, and it definitely is in like a C area, a little bit rougher area that's kind of up and coming, closer to some main roads and transportation, but... When we purchased it, it was definitely a little bit on the c side maybe even c minus it was a package deal where we bought two buildings they were both single family but they ended up becoming duplexes so we converted it from two single family into a duplex each so four total units we bought that through wholesale with squatters in the property for 80k we did cash for keys get the squatters out and we renovated it for a total of about 205, 210k, both of them. So we were all in at about 285, 290. We appraised at about 5,15 all together for those, and we did a cash out I think it was a 68, 70 percent LTV. So we got about 350k out of that deal, which was, I think, about 65, 70,000 dollars more than we had put in. And that cash flows after mortgage and insurance, et cetera, about $1,300 across those four units. So something like 350 a door.
2: Yeah, that's great. And now on a deal like that, how are you structuring it? Are you using your own cash? Are you using construction loans? Are you using private money on the front end? For deal with this size, we were using pretty much all cash to fund the deal. And
1: again, with the Burr method, because we've been trading up deal by deal, accumulating more cash as we go and rental income, we're able to do that. And there's another deal that we're doing right now, which is a different kind of setup. It's a large house that's being converted into six sort of suites, more of a midterm type play on that one. That's a little bit different. Again, all cash for about 220 to purchase. The rehab's about 170 So we're going to be in the 400 range for all in. And we're expecting to appraise north of 450 500 something like that. And revenue should be about $4,500, $5,000. Net cash, we have to see exactly where we land. For that one, again, all cash. But we are planning to do a cash out refi again, something in the 65 to 70 range. When we started, we used to do a much higher LTV cash out because we just wanted the cash in hand. Now we're getting a little bit more conservative with the market conditions and doing something like 60, 65%. So the overblended exposure that we
2: have is less to debt. Okay. That makes sense. And seven to 8% rates as they have been, I'm sure having that lower LTV is helping on the cash flow as well. Absolutely. And now again, all of these deals, you've been basically rolling up your bankroll, so to speak, as you continue refining these and trading up and getting your capital back. Are you raising any money for these deals or is it just strictly you and your partner?
1: At the moment, we have not raised any money. We have definitely used some private and hard money in certain deals where for construction loan or things like that, we were using that kind of debt. I think as we get into the bigger deals, like I've been telling you about, we are planning to use more financing, more local financing, not just for the purchase, but also for the construction costs. So definitely as we scale up, we're going to be using financing more. In terms of just using capital, that's part of the plans, but we wanted to prove our model first and make sure that we feel confident in the numbers and we're delivering and we
2: have all the systems set up the right way before we take on other people's money. Yeah, that's great strategy for sure. So switching gears a little bit, tell me about Lane and why we should know about it. Yeah, I'm glad you asked. As I mentioned, I started
1: investing about five years ago, and I, I got very frustrated with the tech side of things and the property management side of things. I'm sure most people do because it becomes so time consuming, especially with a family, with a day job, right? And it gets very stressful. And so on top of all of that, I have the financial background, but just dealing with spreadsheets, multiple bank accounts all these different processes. There's a lot of manual work that just eats up your time. So kind of a background story is when I first met the founders of Baselane, when they told me about their vision to build this all-in-one modern banking platform that was really gonna provide all these products and services that somebody like me or you or other people like us need to run our businesses, I had this big aha moment and I immediately decided to join the company. So today, Baselane is the number one banking platform the most important part of it is tailor-made for real estate investors. So it's in the verticalized banking section of the fintech slash prop tech space. And Lane offers a business checking account. And most people wonder, why are you talking about banks? I already have a bank account, so why do I need another one? The idea behind this is all of your money moves through your bank, in and out, debits and credits. So if we can design a bank that's tailor-made for you as the investor, whether you're a commercial investor a residential investor, a Airbnb host, midterm rental, whatever, you have features inside of that with things like virtual accounts and virtual cards, for example, and the high rewards that really help you organize better as an investor so that you can organize things the way you have your pro forma. For example, we all project vacancy. We all project maintenance reserve. But do you have that money actually set aside? I bet you most investors would say no. It's just in the regular operational funds. Are you properly allocating your security deposits? Most people are probably not doing that either. So the idea is with these virtual accounts and cards, you can get better organized because our technology at Basin allows you to set these rules so you can auto-tag properties and auto-tag certain types of expenses. And that really is the idea behind this, is to kind of try to set this on autopilot. So as you are spending money and collecting rent or earning revenue, you're able to do the bookkeeping along the way. And for me, that's more powerful because most investors that enter this space do not make it out of the one to four unit level. Most people start with this big lofty goal of financial freedom and they get into rentals, but they never make it out of the one to four and they never scale. And so our goal is to help make it so that it's easier for you to organize and analyze how you're doing. So you can actually do the next deal and the next deal, the next deal, and you can keep going. So we've got our own bookkeeping software that helps you with that, our own analytics that we've built and our reporting financial statements. So on any given day, if you're doing the bookkeeping and you're setting up all these rules, you can see how you're performing. You can pull up any property, any unit and see what happened that week, that month. So that's really the power of Baseline. And on top of all of that, we built property management features. So online rent collection, lease creation and e-sign, building a lot more like tenant screening and things like that as well. So the idea is to really make it a one-stop shop for investors so that you can run your real estate business on the platform. So yeah, I'm a super user of Lane. It's one of my favorite aspects of real estate now. I love logging in and nerding out over the performance and the numbers. And that's the exciting part is really giving the information and data back to people.
2: Very cool. Well, I'll have to check it out. So a new segment we are doing on the show this week is a deep dive into one of your superpowers or traits or strategies that you use in your investing business. So what would you consider your superpower?
1: My superpower is probably connecting with people.
2: I like to meet people. I'm
1: open and try not to judge people too much, hopefully, and be unbiased. So I like to meet people, build those relationships. I think in this business, that is the key. Because I certainly don't know a lot of things and I always like to learn. And I think there's so many people out there that have a lot more to teach somebody like myself and I think we can help each other, right? I think if we can help each other with whatever's going on, it really does show up at some point in your life and in your investing career. So for me, that is always the focus is to treat people nicely, be fair and treat them with respect, but also really try to help them if I can. And I think if I continue following
2: that, it pays dividends. So for the audience who's listening to this, maybe they are more introverted or they have trouble connecting with new people, networking, building relationships, all the things you just mentioned. What would your advice be to them? How are you going about that? And what would your advice be to them?
1: I'll tell you a story. One of my friends is starting to get into real estate as a doctor. So he's very introverted. He's not like myself, just able to walk into a bar or a restaurant and say, who are you? Right? <laughs> like, I want to talk to you. So... He's about to do his first flip with one of his family members and I introduced him to a lender over email, but it took him four days and just no response. And I was talking to him, Hey, like Robert's really experienced. You should talk to him. He can really help you out, build a relationship. But he didn't understand first the value of that conversation. He was like, well, I don't really need the debt right now. I have cash. I'm good for now, but he wasn't thinking ahead. So I think one thing that we have to understand the value of whatever this is, those relationships how they can help other people, which is like just good karma for you and how that can help you. That's number one. And then number two, I always like to say we have to be a little bit uncomfortable. We have to be able to go into a zone that is not comfortable. Being on your couch at home is comfortable. Being out, having a coffee chat with a stranger you don't know is uncomfortable. But in this business, really any business, you have to be a little bit uncomfortable because that's where change happens. That's where the magic is. So you have to set a goal and push yourself And obviously, if you want to figure out the tactical stuff of how do I even do this, there's a lot of content out there, but I think we would keep it simple. I would say just ask people out on a coffee chat. Take them for a coffee chat, buy them a coffee, 15, 20 minutes. Hey, I just want to ask you a few questions. Very simple. It can be one-on-one in a private setting. So if you're not comfortable with larger groups or open forums and conferences, try to do one-on-ones, make it more focused and personalized and really appreciate the time you're getting. And if you try that four or five times, you'll start to understand the value, but also you'll get a little bit better at how do I ask questions? What do I even talk about when I get there? And if you don't hit me up on LinkedIn, I'm happy to help you out with some tips on that.
2: Yeah, that's great advice. And something you mentioned, I like the analogy is kind of like planting the seeds today for the fruits tomorrow. And I think that's important with networking, relationship, almost anything we do, especially when it comes to business and real estate. I started going to meet up seven, eight years ago, and now I've become very good friends with some of these people I met all those years ago. I've had partnerships on deals. I've done private money, all of the things that happen when you build relationships. And I don't think you go about it in a way of, if I go and meet 10 people, there's going to be so many people that I can find something of use from. It's like, you just genuinely be a a normal, good person try to make genuine connections with people, try to add value, as you mentioned, and all of that is reciprocated. And as time goes on, you build genuine relationships, good things happen. And again, you're just pointing the seeds for future. So I couldn't agree more. I appreciate you sharing your superpower with us. Are you ready to head over to the best ever lightning round? Let's do it. What is your best ever book recommendation?
1: I've been thinking about this one actually ahead of the show. So I would say think fast, think slow. It's by Daniel Kahneman and I really come back to this book almost now, often every couple of weeks and just thinking about employing it and the ways that I'm doing things. So I would recommend
2: that. Best ever way you like to give back.
1: I usually donate through my local mosque or charity that's a little bit more local. And the other way is I like to also give my time to folks that are looking for career advice, professional training, resume reviews, just locally in my community. That's another one of my passions.
2: Okay, give me a mistake you made on one of your deals and the lesson you learned from it. We underwrote a property that we took too long to finish
1: and we lost the appraisal window. So we got hit on the appraisal. It was much lower than we planned for. And the way we mitigate that now is managing the time and speed of the rehab, but also having some scenario planning for scenario ABC on what the appraisal might be. So underwriting a little bit more conservatively.
2: Yeah, that's definitely an aspect of burr you have to be aware of. And I've had that happen as well. So can relate to that one. Saad, I appreciate you joining us. Where can people connect with you and learn more about your business and baseline?
1: You can go to www.baselane.com with the L-A-N-E, so baselane.com. And then if you want to reach out to me, Find me on LinkedIn and send me a connection.
2: Awesome. We'll be sure to link to those in the show notes as well. I really appreciate your time joining us today. Listeners, if you got value from today's show, please leave us a five-star review. Make sure you're following us on social media. Saad, again, thank you for your time and thank you for joining us. Thank you, Joe.
0: Hi, Best Ever listeners. Joe Fairless here again. And one last thing before you go, would you like to receive a short weekly email with proven tips from experienced investors, free tools and resources, and a roundup of the week's most relevant news and best ever content?